Hey guys, what's up and welcome back to the Motivated Lawn Care Show. I'm kind of excited for this interview. Uh, this interview is with Brian Clayton. Uh, Brian Clayton is the co-founder of GreenPal. If you guys don't know GreenPal, I've talked about it in past episodes, along with a couple other uh, lawn care landscaping type, like Uber style apps, where they're it's like Uber for lawn care. If you need your lawn mode, uh, if you need some sort of landscaping service, that kind of thing, you can go on the app, you can request it, all this kind of stuff where... It's a way for us to make money. And I've talked about how it's a really good way for us to get clients in the door and make profit on a client, bring them in the door, and be profitable when acquiring clients, which is uh, very difficult to do. Um, his background isn't necessarily in software. He started a um, landscaping business, I want to say, right out of high school, which eventually became a company called Peachtree from Nashville, out of Nashville, Tennessee, that did you know over $10 million a year in revenue, eventually acquired by a national company. Um, and now GreenPal is, is a pretty decent sized app. If you guys go on App Store, you can see that uh, quite a few people love reviews and, and a lot of them are really, really positive. Um, I think I think there's over 200,000 active users at the time of this. Um, but yeah, Uber for lawn care. And it's really becoming a it's really becoming a bigger and bigger company. I'm excited to see where it goes uh, in this space and, and see where this conversation goes. But I'm really excited just to just to talk with Ryan and see. You know how he built his company up to ten million dollars, and how he thinks that GreenPal can can serve this industry going forward. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, well, thanks for having me on, Caleb. Great to be here. Great intro. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Take me back a little bit. Take me back to the you know leaving high school. Like, what was going through your mind when you when you started with that you know one man band, you and a mower getting out there doing that, and and how did that how did that process look like? Just from a bird's eye view, how did that process look like from the very beginning to the point that you were selling such a large company? Yeah, it took a while. It took 15 years. And so I guess uh, I kind of evolved along the, the the growth of my business. Uh, and I kind of grew up alongside of it. And I, I think if you are growing any kind of business, doing any kind of business well, you as a founder should evolve into a whole new person every year or two or three years, like you should be like almost like unrecognizable because the business is requiring you to learn new skills and grow and evolve. And that's kind of how it was for me. So started off with just me and a push mower. And then, um, and then I, I hired my first employee, maybe year two or three. And, and then when I graduated high school, I, I, uh, had to figure out a way to get through college. And, and so I kept mowing yards as a way to pay for college and went to school at night. Mm. And then when I graduated college, I had to make a decision, um, was I going to like go into the job market and and basically take a pay cut or or oh, stick with this lawn care business I had at the time I maybe had like five employees and um, I didn't really want to be a lawn guy my whole life I, it's not mm. it's not what I wanted to do I hated the smell of of cut grass I hated smelling like gasoline all day I I actually didn't really enjoy the lawn mowing business at all but I saw that uh, running a small business and trying to figure out a way to grow it into a big business could be my lane in life. It could be the thing that would get me to, like, to the next level. It could be the thing that would take me to places that I couldn't go necessarily in an ordinary job. And so mm. I made a bet uh, and made a little business plan with what I learned in, in, high, in college in business school. And it started working on that, working the plan and, and, uh, what, what I thought would take me five years only took me two or three and, and little by little just grew that, uh, to one of the larger landscaping businesses in the state of Tennessee, uh, eventually over 150 employees um, and getting it over 10 million a year in revenue. And then, and then navigating it through acquisition in 2013, it was acquired by a national company. And so it just started with me and a push mower and, and ended up, you know, 
me with 90 crews going out every day and, and, and getting it acquired. And, and really looking back at that business and, and my current business, Green Pal, the, from where they started to where they are today, it really look, feels like a video game almost, just one mm. level at a time, yeah. just working one level at a time, not worrying about everything else, not not getting caught up in all the things that don't matter at any given level. I think what what hangs up a lot of founders in any business is they're 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 worried about like, uh, you know, they're worried about Bowser when they're on level one, two, or three, and, yeah. and the thing is, you're you're not you're, you know you don't you don't have Bowser problems, you got level two problems and. And so that's how it unfolded for me, man. It was a, it was a lot of working on the business, uh, working on myself, and just and just figuring out what the two or three things that needed to be focused on it at any given time, and improving them, and then moving on to the next level. Yeah, yeah. You said ninety crews you guys had going out. That's right. That's insane. So I'm sure you're very very familiar with you know adding new crews to your company. Let's say that someone is maybe in your shoes where they're coming out of college, maybe they have one crew, they've got, you know, it's them and a bunch of other people, or maybe it's, maybe that's two crews. Um, but it was kind of like a built up over time. It was slow and steady. Some clients came in the doors, a very easy growth process, very smooth where I imagine 90 crews, you don't, you don't just end up there on accident. You don't just, you know, one day you wake up and you're like, Oh, enough people are calling me. I should go buy another vehicle. And then you're just sitting on the cash and then you have friends you can call up and it's a difficult process. So, from someone who's very, very familiar with adding new crews, with with building out the business that way, what were some of the hurdles that you see guys going through and how did you go through that? I know you said you're focusing on one, two or three, you know, different major things at a time when you're when you're adding another crew to your company like that. What did that look like for you guys? How did you guys go about that process? Yeah, it wasn't very much a, a gradual thing uh, for us. Like if you if you took, a, you know, two points from where we started and where we ended up in that business. And really now with my second business green pal, they, man, there wasn't like a hockey stick moment in either. It was very mm -hmm. much an incremental gradual, uh, buildup. And, and that's how the first company was. And it's funny, like going from one employee to two is one of the hardest growth points you're going to have in business. Going from one crew to two is like the hardest. Cause you're basically like doubling in one, in, in one decision, one movement and, and going from like your 40th crew to your 42nd crew isn't as big a deal. And, and so, uh, that's, it's actually harder in the beginning. Um, when you're, when you're first getting the momentum going, but I guess for me, a couple of key inflection points, like aha moments would be, um, maybe a year, maybe a year, uh, three, four, or five, I might've had five or six crews going out every day. And I realized that I wasn't in the lawn mowing business at all, that I was actually in the sales business yeah. and that I actually, that, that everything I was doing around, um, getting equipment, training, training employees, making sure they do it a great job, um, uh, making sure that customers were happy, making sure all the trains were running on time, that that was all like, table stakes. And that was actually the easy part. Yeah. Um, and, and that was all like to be expected and, and to be delivered and just part of being in the game. And I think a lot of small business owners over index on that part and they think, Oh, I've got the shiniest trucks or I've got the new lawnmowers and my employees have uniforms and, or we do the best work. We do quality work. And it's like, no, like that's to be expected. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Like, mm -hmm. and, and, for for me, the aha moment of like quit quit like giving a crap about how great your work is 
and start and start focusing all of the all of your intensity on the sales process. So how do we how do we prospect people? How do we how do we deliver them? Like how how, how do we uh, pitch our value proposition over what we're doing differently than our competitors? Um, how do we pitch to them? How do we fo- how do we follow up and how do we close yeah. the business? And how we keep the business? Like yeah. walking them through that funnel and like and differentiating on that and actually doing that better than our competitors was how we got the business from like a million to three to five to seven mm-hmm. to ten. Yeah. And and at that point, like everybody over always over indexes on like the operation side of it. Like how the hell did you, you know, uh keep that many crews going and 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 like mm-hmm. at that point it's just duplication. You you, yeah. you know, once you have a good good employee recruitment process in place, a good a good training process in place, a good equipment PM process in place and you know all that stuff organized. Anybody can like anybody can go hire employees and and train employees and execute like work that is to be done that's that's the easy part Mm -hmm. the hard part is the sales and distribution and that's the hard part innovating on that and and getting that right is is and most people most business owners like wait sit around and wait for the phone to ring yeah um they they don't like do 90 percent of their of their effort prospecting new business closing new business and figuring out a process around that. And so that's that's the main kind of thing that I guess differentiated what we were doing and what our competitors were doing was that we really focused on that process. The other thing is like philosophically, I had a uh, a philosophical kind of approach to building that business debt-free. And so even though we had a bunch of iron, had a bunch of mowers, uh, you know, everyone of them was paid for, bought and paid for. And so that made growing the business like really hard at times because we were always cash strapped. But when it came time to sell the business, it made selling it a lot easier because I didn't have a lot of debt. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of my competitors at the time uh, were trying to sell their business too. Uh, and and they may have had a $5 million landscaping company or a $10 million landscaping company, but they also had $10 million in debt. And, and so uh, for me, not having any debt, growing the business debt-free was probably the only reason why I was able to get it sold. I would probably wouldn't have been able to get it sold otherwise because you, you, you basically you sell the business and you just pay off all the debt. Like yeah. very rarely is, is there like a, a, a difference between the two. And so those are just some, 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 some key things. And then, yeah. and then the value proposition piece, um, I guess a lot of your listeners, you know, everybody that's in a service business wants to think that, um, that they're different in some way than their competitors, that, that, that they're special in some way. And the reality is most of the time they're not. And, and, and I was guilty of this. Like I, I would just get pissed off because we, we wouldn't win business or we'd lose business and to our competitors and it would be overpriced or whatever. And we like, well, we, we do so much better work than them. And, and, uh, and the reality is, is there really isn't very much differentiation between what we were doing and what they were doing until we, started to figure out like, okay, well, well, what is our value proposition? What is it that we do differently than anybody else? And we began to really like think about um, aligning landscape maintenance and outdoor maintenance with what our customers' objectives were. And and so, for instance, like an apartment complex, we, we wouldn't talk about like, hey, we can save you 10% off of your monthly rate on lawn maintenance. We would, mm-hmm. we would say, no, what is your, what is your vacancy rate? What's your occupancy rate? Uh, yeah. What do you mean? Like what? No, like, what, like we know industry average in, in Davidson County in Nashville is 91%. Well, we're at 87%. Well, 
here's a case study how we got this 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 apartment over 92% through landscaping maintenance. Well, how did you do that? Well, we installed some some seasonal color around the around the model and around the entry point and we and we uh we 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 did this turf renovation around these key areas and then we lined up a photographer and took some great pictures so they could use it in their in their uh in their in their marketing materials and so mm-hmm. and their website and so on so like literally partnering with our customers and like we would get a contract and keep it for 10 years yeah at, at slightly higher margins than than what our competitors or or like a fast food restaurant like we would we would say you know we 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 did 150 McDonald's restaurants um throughout the whole middle Tennessee region. And one, yeah. we, one, one, one way we got that contract was we would go to them and say, Hey, listen, we, we believe that um, if your drive-through is clear of cigarette butts, then, then you might be able to boost sales. We, we don't know this to be true, but here's a before and after of, of one of your locations. We cleaned it all out and we'll do that every single time we come to mow the grass. And we believe that that might increase sales. If you're, if your drive-through is clean mm-hmm. and, and not nasty with a bunch of bubble gum and, and wrappers and cigarette butts. And so we would pick up cigarette butts every time. So things like that, like aligning the value proposition with, with what, uh, what your customers are in business to do can help get you out of this kind of like, uh, non-differentiated commodity type service. That right. Of, especially with commercial. Yeah. Into. I've never, I've never heard of that before, especially with commercial where all, everything that I've ever heard with commercial is who can be the lowest. Um, but that's a lot of times it is uh, approach for that. So tell me a little bit more about the, and you said sales is number one. And I think I caught a, a reference from a book that I know it's called ready, fire, aim, where like as a CEO, like your, your mission for like the beginning of life, the company is 90% on sales, 10% on operations. Um, and doing good work is like the bare minimum. Um, and for some guys, it's like, we do good work. It's like, yeah, that's the minimum. And so I do respect, I appreciate that. What did the sales process look like for you? What did it look like um, to uh, attract the clients? What were you doing for marketing? What were you doing on the sales side of things to bring people in the door? What were you doing onboarding to be able to obviously upsell people, get testimonies, referrals, and how did you retain the clients as well? What did that process look like for you? Yeah, it's 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 not that like the the work and operations is the is like the minimum and like like that's to be discounted in some way that is not important. Sure, sure. No, it's super important. It's just it's just expected. It's, it's, it's like, it's like going through the drive-through at McDonald's. Well, maybe it's not a good example. Going through the drive-through at Chick-fil-A and the, and, it, and it'd be cold. It's like, we have hot chicken sandwiches. Like, so does KFC. So does everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. like, well, we do quality work. We edge and blow off and keep the weeds out of the, it's like, no, that's what it's, it's a hot chicken sandwich. Like literally like that's what you expect. That's what you're supposed to do. So yeah. So 90%, you know, in, into the, sales engine but that's but also you know you need to figure out how to keep customers first before you before you invest in the sales process at all and that goes back to the the consistency and and quality of the services um you, until you nail that there's no reason to spend a bunch of time on a sales process and so if you're not keeping customers like if people are canceling you you know if, if it's just basic residential services or or if it's if it's big commercial contracts if you're not keeping multi-year long relationships you need to invest that into that first uh, otherwise you're just going to be like pissing in the wind you're going to be pouring gas on on wet leaves it, it, you'll never get you'll never break out of that so once you do kind of have that 
buttoned down and you got all the processes and stuff figured out about how to predictably and consistently deliver these services, then you need to spend 90% of your time on the sales process. Uh, how do you, you know, break it down piece by piece. There's a great book about this called predictable revenue, where you, 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 you break down your sales process into small chunks and you, the founder need to run it yourself step-by-step step, personally for a long time. Uh, and, and I think a lot of founders try to like outsource this, um, because they don't want to do it. Nobody likes cold calling. Nobody likes, uh, cold emailing. Nobody likes, you know, groveling for, for work. And so they want to like, just go hire a salesperson when they in fact have never ran the sales process over mm -hmm. and over and over again. And so I've made this mistake. Um, you know, I would think that I would need to hire like this rock star salesperson with all this industry experience, like. Back in those days, it was Valley Crest and Brickman or something. And like you would try to steal one of their salespeople because they had the the secret knowledge of how to go get these contracts. And they knew, but you didn't. But if you could hire them away that, you know, and the reality is, is like, no, it, <laughs> this industry is not that complicated. You need to you need to hire motivated, driven, ambitious people and then teach them your system that you have have formulated from scratch, step-by-step, piece-by-piece, uh, and teach them that system to run. And then you manage the system. You don't manage the people. You don't manage the, you don't manage the, the nuances of, of uh, why they aren't making their calls or why they aren't bringing any new sales to, to, the, to the company. And so getting that right took me like five years of just trial and error, doing it myself for a long time. Back in those days, I mean, we're talking – uh, 2005 to 2013, it's a very different world than today. Um, the way we would do it is, is we would do a lot of, we, we would, we would have one guy that was all about prospecting. Like all he would do is, is go to the local, uh, apartment association dinners, uh, go to the local HOA community association, uh, dinners, uh, trying to like develop contacts there would go to the trade shows, um, would, uh, just stop in, bring, you know, we, he'd like just bring cookies to people, you know, just let them know he was, he was, and, and let them, and just, just try to ask, uh, when their contract was coming up and try to get all this Intel and knowledge. And then like, that's all he did. And then, and then we would bring in another person. Um, you know, once he figured out when, when they were coming up for contract, when they're coming up for renewal, then we bring another estimator in to kind of help him, uh, uh, sell the business. And then once we sold the business, they would have an account manager come in and, and maintain that relationship, um, throughout the, the course of the, of, of us servicing the contract. And, and then the account manager would help renew it as well. And so that worked for us, but these days, like a lot of that you could do offshore virtually, like a lot of, a lot of that you could do digitally. Like back then there was no LinkedIn. I mean, maybe there was, but it wasn't a way to, to, to prospect, there was no LinkedIn, you know, email outreach really wasn't a thing. Um, you know, you, you could, you could, you could take pieces of, of the sales process I ran and, and, and offshore outsource a lot of those steps. Um, but not until you run it all yourself end to end for a very long time. Mm. The thing is a lot of people try to delegate this stuff from a standpoint of abjucation. And so it's like, I don't know how to do this. I don't want to do this. You handle it. Yeah. And that's, that's always a recipe for disaster. You want to, you want to, you want to delegate this stuff, sales and, 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 and everything else really 
from a standpoint of stewardship. So it's like, this is how we do it. This is the process, step by step. This is how we expect it to be done. This is how we measure success. This is how we measure uh, results. And this is when we expect it to have it done by. Here's how long it should take. And you need to run this process. That's stewardship. And so that's you need to get to a standpoint where you can delegate from stewardship and not abdication. I, I need to go hire me a sales guy, bring in some sales. Like that's usually what happens. And and, mm-hmm. and, and then it doesn't go well. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm going to give you some specific examples for my company before we pivot more into what you have going on um, with GreenPal. So I'm going to give you a rundown of my business, what the what our priorities are now and where we'd like to go. And I want to get your take, what you would be doing in my shoes, how you would do it, if you would do it, what the process would look like for you. So right now, um, we're at about, and I know the numbers are probably way different in 2023 than they were in 2013 or back when you were running a smaller company like mine is. Um, but we're doing like 30,000 a month, right? It's just one crew operation. I'm out of the field. I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations. Um, that's all handled by other people. So I can go do other things. Um, but the priority is this winter to add a second truck for snow. I know snow is probably a little bit, you probably guys probably don't get a whole lot of snow in Nashville. Um, but we're looking to then add another truck or two come spring. So over the course of 12 months, add two or three trucks from one truck, which is a very large leap from one truck to two to three versus from 40 to the 42nd or 43rd truck. What would you be doing? What would you be focusing on time-wise and how would you go about that personally? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, so, you know, uh, I call it half million dollars a year. I mean, you gotta, you, you've got a, a good little small business going there and it, and if it's making money, that's a good place to be. I, the first thing I would ask is like, begin with the end in mind. So, mm-hmm. so like, where, where is this going? Where do you want to get to? Do you want to have, do you want to have like a $10 million business? Do you want to have a million dollar business? You know, one thing you don't have to, you like, you don't have to build like a huge business. And one, one thing I always try to like reiterate is in, in this, in this business and any other business, it's okay to like stay super small and lean and mean and profitable and to take that low quality revenue, because the revenue out of a, a lawn care business is low quality. It's it's a tough business. It's hyper competitive. It's the margins are super tight. Um, it's very hands on. It's boutique. It's 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 hard to scale. So the money out of a lawn care business is low quality revenue. But you can take that low quality revenue and turn it into high quality revenue. So you take that money and start investing in real estate. Start investing in in equity. Start start figuring out other things to invest in. And so it's like you got this cash cash flowing machine doing five hundred grand a year. Uh, maybe you're making you know two hundred grand. You take a hundred grand and go buy go buy a rental house every year. Do that over ten years. You'll be you'll be a millionaire in 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 five to ten years. So that's a that's a path to success. The reason I say that is because where you're at um, at five hundred grand to five million, it's almost like there's going to, you're going to be sideways for a very long period of time. You personally, as the, as the founder, you're not going to make any money. You're going to make less money uh, probably in the next three to five years than you will that you're making right now, because you're investing everything into the business's growth. Like every dime is going into uh, buying equipment is going into figuring out these, these systems It's going into uh, figuring out how to, how to, how to scale a business. And that just takes time and it takes money. So you really do like, if you want to go big, you got to have like a, you got to have like a 10 year vision 
or where you want to be in 10 years. And it's okay that you're going to like literally suffer personally for, for a long period of time. So, so that would be like, like, like if you're not willing, wanting to sign up for that, then don't that. So that would be the, the, for the first thing that, that I would coach you on, uh, which I'm not a coach, but just from my, from my experience. Um, so, but to answer your question, how do I, how do I bolt on a, another truck? How do I bolt on another crew? Um, for me, you know, like first thing I, I wouldn't take on any debt to do it. I know that sounds crazy. Um, but I would, I would buy used and I would do it with cash. So I wouldn't do anything until I saved up the money to buy, to buy the truck, to buy the mower, to buy the plow. So that'd be step one. Step two, I, I, man, I would have the sales before I, before I bolted it on. I know that's hard to do. It's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Um, especially the people you sure as hell don't want to uh, bring on any people without, without the work. Um, so I would, especially around the plowing, you know, if you want to bolt on another plow, like, like maybe, maybe you can, you can just plowing is very easy to subcontract. So I would probably like get to a point where I was self-servicing one, one crew and then I was subbing two crews and then I want to bring that one crew in. So plowing, you can, you can subcontract all day long. Um, mm -hmm. so I wouldn't buy an, another plow, uh, and another wouldn't put that on the road unless I had the work. Like I had the contracts. I knew I couldn't service them or, or I was servicing them and I was subbing them out. And then the mowing piece, um, I would ease into it. Like I would stack one crew with like four people until, uh, until it, like it was unsustainable. And then, and then I would break it off with two guys, uh, two on each, each route. Um, so there's a way to like load one and then easily, and then easily get another and then like, and then, and then get two, two man crews, uh, or, or, or one, two man crew and one, one man crew. Um, I would ease into it. I would, so there's a, they're saying like leverage, don't leap. You don't want to take this big leap of faith where you're buying, you know, 50 grand of equipment or hundred grand of equipment and you don't have the work to, to backfill it or you're hiring people, you know, and eating up all your profit for them to sit around. Um, so that's how I would look at it. That's how I would do it. If I had, if I woke up in your shoes and had to do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. Um, let's jump into to green pal here. So I know that you started this, you know, not super long ago, but you guys have gotten a lot of, a lot and a lot of momentum over the years. And I just want to see what was it. I want to hear first off, what was it that made you start that company? Obviously you said you really weren't interested in being a lawn guy forever. Um, and so maybe this was like another route for you that was more interesting or, um, considered to be a little bit sexier than, than cutting grass and having a company that does that. I don't know what the, the reason was for you, but what was the reason and what's the end goal for green pal? Yeah, it, it was, uh, not something that I had always like thought about doing, uh, the way it unfolded for me, sold the comp, sold the landscaping business, um, and kind of retired and I got bored. That's basically what happened. I, I took like six months off and, and realized, man, I, I I'm wired to want to be back in the game and I want to do like another mission. And like, I don't want to run another landscaping business because that was, that was like really hard. And, and I, so I don't want to do that again, mm. but, but I, but I would maybe like be cool to start a tech company. That'd be kind of neat. And, and it's kind of naivete as an asset. I didn't know like how challenging it was to start a tech business, but um, the problem that, that, I set out to solve was one that I saw every day that like, if you are a consumer, uh, a homeowner, or you rent a house and you just need a basic lawn mowing service, 
it's really hard to get that done. You wouldn't think it is, but it, it actually is, is really challenging to just get a basic weekly or every two week lawn mowing service. Now, if you're going to spend five grand a year or three grand a year, it's actually quite easy. There, there's a million guys lined up for that, but nobody really wants to serve the the basic lawn mowing cuts. And, and there, and the re- I saw this like problem manifest itself every day running my, my company uh, because we would get like a hundred phone calls a day, literally a hundred phone calls a day, people asking us, Hey, will you come cut my grass? I see your trucks all over town. And we no longer did basic residential services. We only did like commercial contracts. Mm-hmm. And, but we had a value that we ran that business by to like, no matter what, always try to help and always be helpful and always add value. And, and so we would keep a list of names and phone numbers uh, by the phone. And we would refer out these names and phone numbers when somebody would ask. And was like, no, we don't. But you know, call uh, call John's Lawn Service, call Quality Lawn Mows, call, call all of these different people. And so we would do that, and then they would say, then they would call back like the next day and say, "Hey, I called all those people, and I got like one return phone call, and then one guy promised to give me an estimate, never did. Do you have anybody else?" And so it was kind of like this vicious cycle. And so, and so it's like, I knew there was a disconnect between people who need, needed basic services done and then vendors who, who wanted those services being discovered, being able to quickly price it, being able to quickly service it, keeping it all organized and keeping it profitable. And I knew that, that a platform could help solve these inefficiencies between the two, make it easier for them to do commerce and, and make it to where it was profitable for smaller providers to knock out these these mow and blow jobs, you know, basically like, you know, quickly, you know, get in, get out, uh, you know, 35, $45, uh, dollar, maybe every two week, uh, jobs. And, uh, and, and I knew that we had to figure out a way to, to package them up to where vendors could, could roll, roll through them quickly. And I knew if we could figure that out, that everything else, everything else would take care of itself. So that was the, the problem solution that, that I had, and that hasn't changed really at all in a decade. <laughs> so, so Green Pal is like a ten-year overnight success, and um, <laughs> you know, grew this thing little by little off of its own revenues. Haven't raised any outside capital, and and now we have three hundred thousand people using the app every week to get lawn mowing services, uh, doing like thirty million dollars a year. It's 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 crazy what uh, what it's become. But it's still like it's still day one. It's still like we still got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give some more details for those guys out there. I realize that a lot of them already know because I've done multiple like episodes on uh, these couple of apps that are that are kind of doing similar things. They have different takes on it. Green Pals has a different take. Plows and Mose has a different take. TDS has a different take. I'm sure you've heard of all of those guys before. Uh, Lawn Star has a different take. They all have a different take to it. What is your guys' is like, what do you guys do um, that's different? What was your um plan i don't know if these guys were already in the space when you came into it but what did you set out to do in the beginning and, and kind of what is what is everything give us the the, the lowdown of green how does it work how does it how does it benefit landscapers to be using that yeah it's 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 funny you mentioned that like all of those names we all got started like about the same time 2013 to 2014 uh because at that time there was this recognition that Uber was proving was that like the, 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 the smartphone could be like the remote control for your life. You could push a button and things would happen. Yeah. You could push a button and get groceries delivered. You could push a button and get a car. You should be able to push a button and get a lawn service. And so, and so uh, 
a lot of startups were funded to, to, to pursue these, these ideas. And most of them went out of business. Um, there was probably 12 or 13 different Uber for lawn care companies that, that came and went. Um, and, and so the ones that, that are still operational today, us, um, you mentioned lawn starter, they bought lawn love and, uh, there's plows and mows and a couple of others. Um, they're all a little different. Um, in so much as like they, they, to the consumer, they, they help you get a grass cutting service in your yard, but to the vendor, they're kind of different. So mm-hmm. for us, we, we knew, I guess, because of my background in the industry that we had to build something that contractors love to use, because if not, we, we wouldn't have anything to deliver for consumers. And so we kind of started there. And so we, we thought, okay, well, we have to make it like economical. We have to make it to where, you know, there's not a whole lot of margin in, in a basic lawn mowing. So we only charge 5% um uh take rate uh, of a feed it to to use the platform um plus plus uh stripe takes uh three percent so all in eight percent whereas right off the bat the other kind of uber for lawn care platforms i don't know i think they charge 15 20 or maybe even as much as 30 percent um depending on certain variables which can be your profit margin that can be your entire profit margin right there yeah i mean you know it takes a a $50 stop and turns it into $32, you know, or takes a 30, a $40 stop and turns it into $28. You know, it's, that's tough. You're not gonna make any money doing that unless, unless you got 20 of them on the same street, which that may be their, their model. That may be what they're trying to do. Um, but for, for us, we knew that wouldn't work. And so we just, we never did that. So we only, uh, it's, it's very economical to use our platform. Um, the other thing is, is they, uh, much like Uber, they are the taxi service. Uh, they are the lawn care company. So, so when, so when a con- when a consumer comes onto a, a one of those other platforms, they are hiring them to do the the lawn care service. Mm. They then subcontract that to a, another provider. Mm. Um, and so, if there's a problem, you know, you get on a one eight hundred phone number call, and you call one of their customer service and then they call you it's like hey you didn't blow up the back patio like like to us we just never <laughs> i never wanted to be in that business because mm-hmm. because i knew it would i knew it really wouldn't scale and i, I never really wanted to be in the lawn care business uh, i wanted to build a platform that made the lawn care business run more smoothly and efficiently but i never wanted to be in the lawn care business um and and so there's there's that distinction and and Whereas we uh, give a platform for a provider to come on board, uh, kind of have one place for them to accrue reviews about their business, ratings about their business, statistics about how often they show up on time, like like reliability ratings. And, and so it's like when somebody's looking to hire you, they can then look at all this other data and say, oh, okay, yeah, Caleb's Lawn, he shows up 89% of the time and he's got uh, 1,400 five-star reviews and he gets hired 78% of the time again for the third and fourth and fifth. So it's like one place for all of this information about your business to accumulate. So then you can get hired uh, quicker, faster, cheaper, and and then also expand your margin. So you don't have to be the cheapest uh, uh, guy on the block. And so we 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 look for a, a way to give an operating system for contractors to, to run a more efficient business and fill them up with leads to where they don't have to uh, pass out flyers anymore. And then also get them paid quickly because we get a credit card on file um, and get them paid within 24 hours of the work they do rather than having to run accounts receivable or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and for all, all for, for, for just 5% of the transaction. Now 
Um, it's not for everybody. It's not for um, – we've got – 30,000 contractors using it. And, and, uh, there's several that are doing over a million dollars a year on, on the platform, but it's not, it's not for big contractors. Like if you've got five, 10, 20 employees, it ain't for you. It's for your smaller providers. Um, maybe somebody that wants to pick up 10 or 20 or 30 yards a week. Uh, maybe somebody's just getting started. Uh, but if you're already doing like, if you already have your systems and your processes, green is probably more of a pain in the ass than anything. Um, but if you're a small provider, like a single, single operator and, and you're stuck at like 50 customers and you want to figure out a way to get to a hundred or, or you're just getting started and you want to get to, you want to get to 50, like green is a great solution, um, for that use case. Um, and, 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 and then, you know, like there's some, there's some contractors that don't like being held accountable. They don't like, a they don't like a reliability rating right next to their head. Mm-hmm. saying hey i only show up 17 percent of the time that i'm supposed to on the day i'm supposed to and and for those guys or gals it's not for them that it, this is not a good fit so it's not a good fit for for a lot of lot of business owners but for the ones that get it crush it man like we got a we got a lady in atlanta that is a single mother that started with just a push mower on our platform and now she, and now she's got like 10 employees and multiple crews going out doing like 400 stops a week just on green pal so so we got a lot of a lot of fun stories like that but there's also there's also a lot of uh not not good fits that that we that we it's our job to screen out um if they're not a good fit yeah yeah so how does this work so let's say that i'm building out the route for next week is that when i go on or i go on whenever people like do i get alerts can i just check my area see what properties are available and see if it's close to some that i'm already doing what does that process look like yeah, that that's a very good point because that's something that's one way that it differentiates from the uh, the other platforms. So, uh, the other platforms set the price. And I failed to mention that they they say, "Hey, this is a forty two dollar yard," and we say that because of X, Y, and Z. And and do you want it? If you do, take it. And and if you don't, that's fine. Somebody else will. Whereas on GreenPal, every lawn is treated as an auction. So it's like, "Hey, here is uh fourteen fifteen Main Street." Um, here's the aerial imagery. Here's the street view imagery. Here's the square footage. Here's their expectations. What's your price? Submit it. Um, and you can submit your price for free. And then, and then the customer gets, uh, five quotes and we try to deliver them five quotes back in 60 seconds. So it's very quick. You'll get a text message and, and you then have to submit your price. And usually it's gone within five minutes or less. Um, unless you're in a market where we don't have a lot of liquidity, um, but like if you're in any Midwest market or South Southern market, if you're in Atlanta, Georgia, and somebody signs up in Alpharetta, they get five quotes back in less than a minute and then they can hire, then they'll hire somebody right there on the spot. Um, and then that's put on your route and, and then your route is all organized for you. So you've got all of your, your customers in one place, you got all of your appointments in one place. And then you, as the contractor, it's your job to then reach out to the customer, say, Hey, thanks for hiring me on GreenPal. Uh, I'll be there on Tuesday. Oh, you don't want it on, you want it on Thursday. Okay. Let me change that. Okay. Thursday. Uh, actually, no, I'm not in your area on Thursday. I'm in your area on Wednesday. Let, let me change it to Wednesday. Okay. We're good with Wednesday. All right, cool. I'll be there on Wednesday. And then you upload a photo when it's done and then they get the photo. And, and uh, if it's all good, they push to pay you. And then if they liked your service, they just push a button and set it up for every week or every two weeks. Mm. Wow. So, and then, it- and then, and, and, and that's all. And then, and then ideally where you, you get to a point where, 
you open up your Green Pal app and it's like, okay. And this is many, many people's lives. I've got 28 stops today. Here's the organized route for all of them. Here's where I got to be. Um, and then, and then, uh, oh, this one wants shrubs. This one wants weeds with their service. Cause, because it's our job as the platform to then push them to upsell to other things. So we're always like nagging the contractor. Hey, you haven't quoted Mrs. Smith's mulch. You need to quote that because we needed to put it on their portfolio. So then when it comes to mulch time, we can then nudge them to, to add that on. So we're always trying to figure out ways to, to be like a, a coach for contractors so they can, can do the things they're supposed to be doing and then make them more money. Cause only when they make more money, do, do we make money? And so um, we're always uh, looking for ways to expand the, the, the kind of cart size, I guess you could say. Hmm. Gotcha. And is this something ideally, how do you imagine people going about this? Cause I'm thinking like, let's say that my guy's in the truck, he's got the work phone and instead of like a phone call coming in, he gets the notification from GreenPal. He just swipes, opens the phone and throws in a bid. And, you you know, you try to do that within 60 seconds. Is that the is that the goal? It's kind of like a race to, to get yeah. it, that kind of thing. So so if you're like a, an owner operator and you're uh, you're mowing grass five, six days a week, um, you know, you are getting the text message maybe while you're on the mower, maybe while you're sitting in traffic and you're submitting the quote. Um, we discourage and do not, uh, purposely do not have it built to where employees of your company log in and submit pricing and so on. Um, you as the proprietor need to do that. So if you're not, if you're not in the truck, if you have employees doing that, you kind of need to be sitting back either on the laptop or on your, on your phone and looking for these lawns as they come available, submitting the quote. If you get hired, organizing that, um, and reaching out to the customer. And then, you know, if you have somebody going and mowing them, like having them text you the pictures of the completed work. So then you upload it. We, we, we really discouraged. In fact, we built it to where multiple people can't log in because mm -hmm. we, we really optimize for the, the, the owner operator. Um, now that said, you know, we've got, like I said, we've got several, several users of the platform making over a million bucks a year. And, and they have employees. And so they, they do this where employees, Hey, send me the picture when you get done so I can upload it. But what we don't have built out and maybe probably will never build is a, is a thing where people, yeah, employees cool. can log in. Yeah. Like that, that's just a mess. And we don't, we don't want to get, we don't like, that's not the business we're in. We're in the business of, of smaller providers, helping them grow their business and helping, uh, folks get basic lawn care that's and there, there, there's a there's a sea of that like there's a never-ending like sea of that that needs help yeah yeah and where do you see this company as being do you just see it as continuing to grow into new markets uh, i don't know if you're doing internationally now if you're in australia and canada and mexico and all those other different places too i know you guys are nationwide in the u.s but where do you see this business is going what do you see as kind of the end goal for for green pal yeah, it's you know you kind of flipped flipped my question on me. Uh, what begin with the end in mind? Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> and I don't really have a good answer other than to say that I'm going to keep running the business as long as I'm having fun. I, I've I've worked on this thing for ten years, didn't take a salary for the first six, and uh, and and have had many one hundred hour weeks uh, growing this business, but I have not worked a day in ten years. It really is been the interesting thing that that i have wanted to work on and so so long as i feel that way about it i'm going to keep running it or if i start to suck uh which could happen soon uh be, then then i won't 
then then either we'll sell it or or uh, we'll get a professional CEO or something like that. But so long as I'm having fun, I'm gonna keep running it. Uh, we're doing 30 million a year in revenue. I want to get to 100 million, and I want to get to a million homeowners using it. And so those are just some some milestones that I think would be would be cool. But at this point, you know, it's just more of the same. You know, like like we are still just a drop in the bucket of how much damn grass is getting mowed either by homeowners or by pros mm. and that needs that needs help like the biggest impediment to our success is the status quo and and it's like more people more homeowners knowing about it like we have a waiting list of contractors in most cities so so it's, we're not we're not like we're, we're not trying to like bolt on more 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 vendors we're trying to like get it in the hands of more consumers because mm. uh, that's the harder part of the equation so so doing more of that and, and, and in the United States, to be frank, like we're in every major city, but, but like we do more transactions in a Knoxville, Tennessee than we do in a Seattle, Washington. And so, try, yeah. so figuring that out, like, why, why is that? That doesn't make any sense. Let's, 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 let's go study the market in Seattle and figure out how we can get more transactions there. And so we have a lot more of that work to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you for coming on. Do you have any, any final words for the guys who are maybe there? They're at that sub 50 client mark. It's just them and one other person or whatever that looks like. We're running really small businesses who they want to grow something bigger. They want to grow something that maybe not quite $10 million a year, but they want to grow a seven figure company where they can have a really good source of income. And maybe they get it to a really good margin so that they can go, they can do real estate. They can go invest in different things. They can start another business. They can buy other businesses, whatever that looks like. What, what final, you know, kind of parting words of wisdom do you have for those people? Um, yeah, you know, I've been there and, and, and I think you've made a good decision. I think you've made, and you may hate this business. I know I've hated it at times. Um, and you may feel like at times that, uh, that it, that it's not worth doing, but, but as so long as you're in business for yourself, you're in the game and only when you're in the game, can you win? And if I look back on my life, uh, 22 or 23 years in, and all of the things that the green industry has, has afforded me as opportunities to, to, to do things in life that I never would have been able to do. Like nobody ever would have hired me and paid me any kind of money to do a job. Like I, like, like I needed to, like, I needed to be in business for myself. So, so if you're in business for yourself, I think you're like one step closer to, to, to success. And so, so my advice is like, stick it out. Um, in five years, you will arrive. The only question is where, and your business is, can be the answer to that question it can be the vehicle mm. it's like well you know you did this this and this and 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 because you ran this business and grew it and you you arrived to a place in life that you otherwise never would have gotten to so stick it out it's hard but th th that's what makes it valuable yeah yeah well thank you for being on i really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to to be on here and um i'm definitely excited to maybe some sometime someday meet you in person hear more about green Pal. i'm excited to see that grow guys if you're not on green pal um i've talked about some of the apps before i really do think it's a really really good option i'm even i'm as i'm thinking i'm like turning through like hey how could we implement this to add you know 10 20 30 40 lawns to the roster every week you know why not and that especially if you're growing really quickly like i said 
um, with us adding another crew, maybe that's a good spot to be where maybe you are taking a little bit too much of a leap and you're like, oh, shoot, but I don't know how to bring these clients on super quickly where I don't have a whole lot of cash to invest in that green pal can be a great option to get on there to fill that roster, to keep those guys busy, to keep those, you know, those pieces of equipment on job sites. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in and uh, I'll catch you again soon.